one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What in the world is happening on Wall Street? Economic indicators. Who knows where this is going to end up? To understand the economy, you have to understand human nature. This podcast is powered by Acast. How you doing there? It's David. A filthy day in Dublin. The waves coming in over Dunleary Pier. Extraordinary. Easterly wind, John, my friend. Easterly wind. Always oh, the chilliest. They're always the chilliest. The waves are brilliant out there. Has been an amazing week, John. What's going on in America in financial markets? Our Patreon site is coming down with people saying, please. Tell us what's going on. What's yeah. your take on this? This is the most significant disruption of financial markets that I have ever witnessed. And and I've been even, playing this game for a long time. But even compared to 2008? Oh, yes. Because 2008 was the establishment against itself. This is a pitchfork revolution on the internet <laughs> against right. the establishment. Okay. And it's fascinating. Look, I've been through... The currency crisis in Ireland, 1992. Yeah. The Asian crisis, the Russian crisis, the dot-com crisis, the 2008 crisis. Don't forget your middle-age crisis. Oh, we're going right through that at the moment. We're going right through that at the moment, right? But all these things, John, pale into insignificance compared to what's happening here. Really? Yeah, because all those things, and we can go through them, all those events were very typical financial booms, and busts, yeah. okay, that went along a path. And we can go all the way back. It could you know, be more predictable in, in a certain kind of way. Well, well, you know, I mean, you know, you go back to speculation comes from the Roman word speculare, which means to watch out. Yeah. Because the speculators, and they were in the forum, they were in the forum. There was in, in AD 33, do you know, <laughs> under the reign of Tiberius, there was an extraordinary banking and land collapse in Rome. Was there? Okay, and Tiberius, who was an unusually long-standing emperor came in and bailed out wealthy people. This... Really? Yeah. Did so he bail out? They, he bailed out all the, the equestrian class, the, the patrician class, all this great stuff. I can tell you about it all. And the reason I'm telling you this is these yeah. things happen all the time. Like everyone right. says, oh yeah, my yeah. good God, did you see the big short? That is extraordinarily unique. No, it's not. It happens all the time, right? Going all the way back, right? Yeah, to yeah. Tiberius, <laughs> 33 AD. But what he did then was he was the emperor and he had to bail out from the Roman treasury the landed class. Yeah. Okay. Now, he took a few scalps. In fact, Go on. <laughs> the people who speculated against him, yeah. think about this, and they were involved in a coup against him, 
under the guise of this financial crash. He chopped their heads off and he put them on spikes in the Tiber River, which was named after him. And the ah, Tiber River is the one that goes straight through Rome. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you don't want to mess with Tiberius? You don't want to mess with... But, but, but what, what do you make of this week then? Because he'd be watching see, it too. No, th- you see, the thing is, I made a conscious effort this week to stay off news. I just didn't want to hear any your news. your post-Trump Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fallout. I'm, I'm coming down off Trump. I know this. you are, exactly. <laughs> I find it difficult. But I decided I wasn't going to watch any news because all it was is, you know, COVID stuff and vaccine stuff and I'm kind of tired of it all. And, but, and the EU making a total hames of the vaccine thing. Yes, indeed. We, we might even we touch will that come back the to that. Go on, go on. But I couldn't help noticing this kind of little bleeping alarm about GameStop and Reddit. And I was going, what the hell is all that about? I wasn't getting it at all. It's a huge story, John. See, I don't really understand the market. I love all the economics, but I don't really understand the financial markets in the same way. So I think... See, this is what the establishment want you to think, that it's all very complicated. But in actual fact, it's all very simple. Yeah. Right? So why don't we do this week, right? Because again, as I said, on Twitter, on Patreon, lots of people saying... Lads, do this for the podcast. So let's break this podcast down, John, to three bits, right? Yeah. First bit, we're going to talk to Avalon Penrose from the States, who was the comedian who did that amazing thing, right? Yeah. Then we're going to talk to Katie Martin. Katie Martin is the brilliant editor of Financial Markets for the FT. Sounds like a humdinger to me. And then we broaden out and explain in the historical context or the political context what's going on. So we do that. Will we have a listen to her first? Have a listen. This is Avalon Penrose's take on GameStop. So I have been seeing a lot of people online who are like, what is going on with the stock market? Is there anyone who can explain this in normal person terms? And so I decided I want to do that because like I own stocks. So I like have a pretty good understanding of the stock market. And from what I understand, there are these people who are... They have lots of money and they have hedges around their house and they go to the market, but it's like not a real market. It's a meta, it's metaphorical, but it's real. And they, um, they go, uh, uh oh, that, that company is not doing well. So I want to, I'm going to make it do worse so they um they pull out some papers and they go who want uh who wants to make a deal they start making deals and they say if the if this price if this company's good if it stays if it goes down then i get money from you and if it goes up then i'll give you money but uh they don't tell you that it's not it's not going to go up. I mean, they will make it so it goes down. But then there was this online reading club that was like, oh, well, not today. We want hedges too. And so they took, they um, went into their bank accounts and then they also went to the market and they were like, uh, bye, bye, bye of the company. And uh, changed it a lot. And so now uh, the initial people, the hedges have to um, give, oh, they have to give their 
hedges, I think, to the, um, the other people. So, yeah, if you have any questions, just let me know. Now, that is perfect. That's and, 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 yeah. let's go to LA. We don't say that every day, John. Yeah. And talk to Avalon Penrose herself. Avalon, how are you? You know, I'm doing very well. Uh, I can't say I know any more today than I knew <clears throat> two days ago, but I feel great in terms of uh, my own life. Tell me, tell me, look, so you put this thing up. You're sitting in your car. What possessed you, number one, to put this up? So it's because I truly had no idea what was happening. I was on Twitter and I was scrolling through and I decided I wanted to try to understand. From a real authentic point of view, I was like really desperate to know what was going on because I had no idea. So I went and I started watching real, you know, explainers, people who work in economics. And I was like, nope, that's not doing it for me. I don't understand that. And I kept trying and I realized that I could probably explain it better than uh, half the people I saw online if I just tried. And I realized shortly after that I really couldn't. And then I was just like, I'm just going to keep trying and I tend to do this character a lot who's like very overconfident about things that she shouldn't be confident about, but like slowly falls into a uh, panic. <laughs> that was the beauty. You know, that's the beauty. There's, there is a thing actually, we've done it before on the podcast called the Dunning-Kruger syndrome, whereas the truly incompetent overestimate their competence and make glorious <laughs> mistakes. By the way, I think <laughs> Boris Johnson falls into that. But we can talk about him in a second. Right? And it was a great example. But tell me how the reaction to it. You're, 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 you're hanging out with fucking Elon Musk at this stage. Tell me more. <laughs> so I pretty much... I had, you know, I had 5,000 followers on Twitter. And so to me, that was insane. Like the fact that I even had that many, I was like seeing that the normal people who were reacting to my Twitter were reacting to it. And then suddenly I just started noticing it was getting picked up a little bit more. And I was like, oh, this is weird. Why on earth is anyone watching this? And uh, then it just... <laughs> exploded and my I got messages from my aunt being like uh, a man whose book is on my coffee table just retweeted your tweet <laughs> and then and then I had people who I haven't spoken to since middle school reach out being like Avalon remember how we used to be super good friends oh I love so it so fun I love to it. <laughs> You know, and then, of course, the Elon Musk situation happened and I was like, what? So tell us, Avalon, what happened with the e this Elon Musk thing? So I basically, I, for the most part, the reaction was positive. People got the joke, you know, people understood it. And then all of a sudden I started getting personal messages being like, who do you think you are? Like, um, you don't know anything about finances. Like, and then people commenting, not getting the joke. And I was like, oh, God, who introduced this crowd turns out it was elon musk uh who somehow <laughs> found the video and i have no idea how it got on his radar and he commented and i just thought he commented and made a joke and i was like it was an okay joke you know it was fine but i was like i don't want to entertain your jokes on my tweet so i made 
you know, kind of a rude comment back. But it was just for fun because I thought it would be hilarious to outsmart or pretend (laughs) that I believed I was smarter than Elon Musk because I am. Um, (laughs) I'm with you on that one. So, yeah. uh, And then it just, you know, it continued. He responded again and. Hopefully, I'm going to get a free pair of shorts out of it. I would so. Geez, you might get a, a free trip to space out of it. So get, if you get, keep going like go, that. Go to space, get a Tesla, <laughs> you know, move in with them. Really or try whatever. to milk that. <laughs> Just milk it a little bit, you know. Don't agree with uh, 90% of uh, his statements, but he's, you know, great. Yeah. I'm happy that we overlapped in this one interaction on the internet. No, it's been extraordinary uh, because I think it's 15 million views. But Katie, what I want to talk about is, you know, Avalon was actually asking the, the real questions, you know, what the hell is going on? So can we use you as our muse, Katie, to tell us, to inspire us and to be the knowledge, of, you know, the person of all knowledge? Avalon, what's the first question that came into your head? What, what was going through your mind when you think actually something big is going on here? I mean, the true first question I had was, what on earth is a hedge fund? And what power do they hold? Because I truly have no idea. Katie Martin, tell me, what is a hedge fund? So there's various different types of what we call institutional investors and kind of the real money out there, the people who look after your savings account or your mutual fund or your pension or whatever it is. And there's all sorts of different kind of investors out there. There are big insurance companies, there are pension companies, there are just standalone investment companies. And then you have this kind of whole chunk of investors that are called hedge funds. And they tend to be at the kind of swashbuckling end of the market. The the irony of the fact that they're called hedge funds is that a lot of them don't hedge. So they go into bets that can be like really ambitious and dramatic. And if they come off, great. And if they don't, well, you know, who cares? So the idea is that they kind of go into risky bets or kind of really sophisticated little arbitrage strategies that other investors won't well, well, touch. Well, we've, got, we've, got, we've got to go back here. So uh, when I was l- laughing at Avalon's hedge fund, she said, I think these people have hedges and that's what... Around the house. <laughs> A lot of them do have hedges. What is... Yes. <laughs> big, big hedges around big houses? But... They make them look like animals and stuff. Um, <laughs> but, but really all you need to know for, for the purposes of this is that they tend to be quite kind of punchy, ambitious, kind of, like I say, swashbuckling investors. And, and in this particular instance, they are what we call short sellers. And so um, a lot of investors kind of spend their days looking around for companies that they think are going to be worth more in the future. And the idea is that you invest in the companies when they're tiny and you hope that when they're massive, you've made loads of money out of it. Short sellers do the opposite. They kind of scour around looking for companies where they think, this stock is too expensive. This company is rubbish. It's going to fall. I'm going to bet on the share price falling. And these are the guys who are kind of um, some of the punchier hedge funds out there. And they have been properly schooled over the past (laughs) week. And it's been something I've never seen before. It's it's quite extraordinary what's happened to them. So come on, explain to me, how how are they schooled? So there's been this really big uptick in what we call retail investing, particularly in the States. So these are just ordinary people who have no formal training in the markets, a lot of them. They're sitting at home, they're bored out of their minds. A lot of them are normally 
fans of like betting on sports and stuff that isn't really happening at the moment. They've got spare cash because no one can go out anymore because everything is boring and terrible. And in fact, a lot of them have got stimulus checks that's basically free money that they don't urgently need. Some people need that money urgently, some people don't. And at the same time, you've got a bunch of trading platforms out there of which Robinhood is probably the best known example, but there's loads of them out there. And they have just over the past few years cut their fees to basically nothing. So pretty much anybody who fancies it can play around in the stock market, whether they know anything about what they're doing or not. And in this particular instance, they've got cash that they can afford to lose. And so they're feeling pretty good about the world. They're happy to take on quite punchy bets. In addition to that, they're able to play around in what we call the options market. So that means that you can basically supercharge your bets on on certain companies. So the, but the third kind of magic ingredient that's, that's in the mix here is that all of these traders are getting together on message boards like the Reddit Wall Street Bets group. So I started writing a story about this yesterday and at the time it had 2.8 million users. And by the time I finished writing the article, that <laughs> message board had 3.1 million users. It's, it's, like, it's, like, it's like Avalon's Twitter account. It's almost as successful as Avalon's Twitter account. So this thing has gone nuts. And what the guys do on these these message boards, and, you know, the language they use on them wouldn't be out of place down in the docks. You know, it's it's pretty spicy. It's pretty punchy. There's loads of swearing. There's loads of pejorative language. Some of it, I'm afraid, is just funny. It just is. Of course it is. But a lot of it is sort of terrible. And what they do in amongst all this kind of stupid banter about memes and stuff is talk about what stocks they want to buy. Now, if you were an investment banker or one of the kind of established investors that we were talking about, sharing information with other established investors about what stocks you were going to buy, chances are you'd go to jail for it. You'd certainly get fired. But these guys are sharing all their ideas in this huge pot and coordinating together. So there's a few kind of companies that they really love. And there are companies that they really love that are the target of these short sellers. So you've got kind of Harry Hedge Fund on the one side saying, ah, this company is a bucket of crap. I'm going to bet against it. And the Redditors basically rose up like a week or so ago and said, no, not having it. Why don't you like GameStop? Now, you know, 10 days ago, I had never heard of GameStop in my life, ever, not once. Are you serious? Avalon will know better than me what this company is. It's like, it sells like consoles and video games and kind of general nerd equipment. Avalon? Yes. Okay, I'll give you the... I'll give you my GameStop knowledge. So from what I've known my whole life, you go there if you want to buy re like you want to buy used video games for discounted prices, but you can also sell your games there. But one time I found like 80 video games in a dumpster and I went <laughs> and <laughs> don't ask, um and I went <laughs> To GameStop, and I was like, I'm going to make a fortune. I never tried to sell a game, but I was like, I have 80 Xbox video games. (laughs) And I made like $18. (laughs) (laughs) And and so 
I think that that goes to show uh, that the company, you know, they weren't buying back gems all the time. And they didn't have a lot of money to give toward their buybacks. But basically, that's why the gaming community loved it is because you could get store credit if you turn in your old video game and put it toward a new video game. Right. So, so Harry Hedge Fund has come to the conclusion that shops, you know, retailers whose business model is predicated on people finding video games in dumpsters (laughs) is not sustainable (laughs) in 2021 when games are online and the whole thing is different and this is just not something the world needs and they want to, you know... Bet that this company is gonna is gonna, is gonna go get bust. It's gonna trouble. go bankrupt. That's their that's their bet. Potentially, or but certainly that the shares are worth now, less than they be, were Before we for. talk about this, Avalon, you know gaming because you are a character in a game. Is this true? It is true. I am. Uh, I voice act, and so I have been in this video game that kind of took off recently. But I love it, and it's kind of funny because I think there's a big overlap between the community of people that play the game I'm a voice in and the community of people that would sabotage, you know, Wall Street from Reddit because it's an indie game. It's an indie community that's obsessed with, like, supporting the gaming industry and loving these indie darlings of the world. And GameStop is kind of becoming, like, a little indie love place where people go there because they have games that you might not find anywhere else or things like that so no, but but normally you can't find games anywhere else because they're rubbish so this is kind <laughs> of like what this is what the hedge fund like c- certain hedge funds were, were betting you know that this this stock is going down so the redditors all kind of ganged up and said not on our watch and they bought the hell out of this stock these, these are avalon's mates said okay i've, I've all my friends all her mates. i Punched for the movement. I was like, you guys go. <laughs> Grab up all the stocks you can. So they did that. They used their free trading apps and they used their their ability that's only been around since quite recently to play around in the options market to fire this stock to the moon. Together, they got together and they did it. And so like just over a week ago, one of the kind of um, short sellers, um, it's called Citroen Research, Citroen Capital. Citroen, no research, clearly. Well, they're pretty, you know, they're not one of the biggest short sellers in town, but they're, but they're pretty well known. They've been around for quite a while. And, uh, and they said, you know, OK, we've lost. We, we, we didn't see this coming. All of our negative bets on, on, on this company have been completely wiped out. And we're never going to say anything about GameStop ever again. <laughs> <laughs> and so the Redditor guys, and, let's, and they are overwhelmingly guys, were like, they had got a scalp. They'd actually like taken out a hedge fund. <laughs> and there were other hedge funds that had gone down as well. And they were just delighted with this. It worked. <laughs> So when the following week started, they, first of all, they just kept sending GameStop shares just higher and higher and higher and higher, like hundreds of percent. But they also just went roaming around the market. So there are people in this Redditor group, some of them know literally nothing. Some of them clearly understand how markets work because you can, if you know where to look for it, you can find out which hedge funds have negative bets on which companies. And they went around looking for companies that have got lots of what you call short positions on them, lots of negative bets on them. And they bought the hell out of them. <laughs> and they've just basically made this entire strategy 
for hedge funds of betting against companies, either completely unsustainable, some of them have just stopped doing it altogether, like Citroen, or significantly more risky. And so hedge funds were just forced to buy back all the stuff that they'd previously been selling, basically unwind all of these negative bets. So there are just companies dotted around around the US and around Europe that their share price has just kicked higher this week because the, share, because the short sellers are just saying, I can't win in a war against these Redditors who I barely even knew existed a week ago. It's, it's amazing. Katie, can I just ask you, do we know who is coordinating these Reddit guys? Who is the who is the the, the main Av- leader? Avalon was clearly. <laughs> I think it was me. <laughs> <laughs> so there are kind of some um, personalities, should we say, that that uh, lots of people coalesce around. Um, am I allowed to swear on your program? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> this 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 I, this, I tell you the funny. This is no, first of all, this is a this is a Dublin-based podcast, so you know the way we speak. Number one. And number two, we are not going to genuflect and cede to the Redditors and those the swamp that you discuss. Of course, go for it. So so there's one guy on Reddit who goes by the username Deep Fucking Value. Okay. And, and um he's uh, by the way, I thought of, you were gonna say something much weirder, but anyway. No, could, could be worse. <laughs> They've all got terrible handles. The FT got sworn at in quite spicy terms this week by someone who goes by the name of Space Hitler on uh on Ooh, nice. so, there was another guy, Steampunk 75. Yeah, they're all they've all got stupid names, right? <laughs> so so there are certain people who are like big personalities on the platform, but a lot of it is really genuinely a, a kind of organic movement. There's there's millions of these people and they, and they kind of you know coalesce into, into little groups and it's incredibly impressive what they've managed to achieve now the the whole thing has got wall street absolutely on the run like they didn't see this coming and they thought okay we've kind of been looking down our nose for years at these little guys punting around in markets thinking they're kind of irrelevant passengers and they basically win or lose as a result of whatever we do this is the first time they've ever had a really big impact all all on their own um and at that point it's like okay what what happens now? Because there is a school of thought that these guys are going to lose their shirt and it's going to be horrible. And they've got their college savings in this. They've got their parents' savings in this. When GameStop crashes back down to earth, which some people think it inevitably will, then, you know, this is going to be horrible for them. We have a duty of care to make sure that these people understand what they're getting into. Now, a lot of the Redditors are saying, screw you. I don't want protecting from anything. There's a lot of money to be made out of this. This is a public market. Who the hell are you to tell me that I can't trade this stuff? And both sets of people are right. Listen, Avalon, what's the mood like in the States? Because again, I mean, you know, we're we're obviously over here in Ireland and Katie's in London, but America has a much bigger culture of buying stocks and Wall Street and all that sort of stuff. What's what's the sense over there? So... I literally just about 30 minutes before this call received a phone call from a friend that was like, hey, dude, like I, you know, I've been getting a lot of phone calls being like, I saw your video. But this person's first thing was like, hey, dude, did you actually buy stock? <laughs> and I was like, um, uh, I mean, I I have like three. And he was like, no, but did you buy GameStop? And I was like, oh, no, I I had no idea how, like, I would even do that. 
truly. I was just like, no, I just was talking about it. And he's like, okay, because I've been like really trying to understand like how it's going to go because I bought nine stocks last week in GameStop. And then I was, and then he starts like going on his investment journey. And he's like, and then someone was like, dude, you need to get out because it's going to crash. And he's like, so I sold five of them just so I can make back my initial investment. And then he goes, but it kept going up. So then I bought more. And I was like, what? And apparently there's like a cap that you can only buy five and people are mad at that because that's the protection you're talking about, Katie, where... If you buy too many, they're scared that something bad will happen to you. But apparently this one guy a year ago predicted that GameStop was going to take off and he bought $46,000 of GameStop stock. Wow. And he showed his portfolio and now I think he has $44 million. It's incredible. This is a life-changing event for a lot of these people. And so it's a brilliant event for lots of people. It's a, it's it's fantastic for a lot of them. So some of them, you know, obviously we've been writing a lot about this over the past few days. Some of them are not in it for the politics. They're just out to make a little bit of money. And some of them are saying, the fact that I've stuck it to the man is the icing mm-hmm. on the cake here. I've made yeah. a bit of cash yeah. and I've screwed over some hedge fund billionaire somewhere and I could not be happier about that combination. And who are we to begrudge that funny you note? Know, it's it's a bit rich for the Wall Street types to be kind of suddenly worrying about the kind of access these people have to public markets when they're winning. When the retail guys are losing, which they almost always do, it's like the first rule of kind of, you know, big grown-up finance is retail's always wrong, always do whatever the opposite of what retail is doing. You can't have it both ways. So, you, you know, you've got to let them make the money when it's their turn to to make the money. So just the mere fact that there are so many retail traders in the market at the moment has been taken by a lot of people as evidence, or as a, at least as a big indication that markets are going to crash pretty soon because they've been sailing mm-hmm. higher for the longest time, particularly since we got through the kind of, there was a bit of, pretty big crash around the time that the coronavirus thing broke out and then we've just sailed higher ever since and people have been saying oh markets are getting too too high we're not comfortable also oh look the retail guys are in if that doesn't tell you it's about to crash nothing is mm. turns out the retail guys knew turns out the retail guys were onto something and what really kind of um so now the hedge funds that have spent years and years saying oh these retail guys know nothing they're like getting clever algos to scrape through Reddit and try and find out in kind of machine learning fashion what these guys are doing, what sort of bets they're going to put on next. All of a sudden, they're taking them super seriously. It's it's quite a moment and it's not going to go away because pretty soon, Americans are going to get a new set of stimulus checks. And for a lot of these people, that's going to, again, be like top up money that they don't need to survive. It's going to go straight into the stock market. And why wouldn't you? It's worked. Why wouldn't you try and double your money? And Avalon will be sitting in her car waiting yes. to do the next Twitter vid. Oh, yes. I've had people be like, please do Bitcoin next. Ooh, um, that would be good. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the reality is I also own Bitcoin and also have no idea what it is or how it works. I've had it for four years. I've never bought. I've never sold. I just 
plopped some money in there four years ago. I was like, let's see how this goes. Well, you should be doing quite and well then, at the like, moment then, are you? Actually, the drink. I mean, the drinks are on you. <laughs> you're, you're buying the drinks. I know. I actually tried to log into my Coinbase and then it I didn't know my password. And I was like, oh, well, guess I'll check it again some other time. <laughs> and, you know, I checked it like two years ago and I had twenty five dollars from my initial fifty dollar investment. Uh, and I'm pretty sure now it's like a hundred. So, you know, I'm not talking big numbers here. I, I like to do it for the fun of the game. And you've doubled your money in the fun of the game. I've doubled my money. <laughs> this is great. If only I had put a little more in it. <laughs> Listen, this has been hilarious, but also very instructive, very instructive, very incisive. John is off now on his Robin Hood. I, I'm on me Robin Hood at the moment. Yeah, Robin Hood, who's apparently, wasn't he Robin from the rich to give to the poor? And yes. little John. So little John, it's all symmetrical. Listen, that was really good. Thank you both very much. And... Uh, what are we going to do, John? Are we going to invest? Are we going to divest? Are we going to divest? Are we well, going we to... missed a Bitcoin. So I think we've missed this one as well. <laughs> okay. Listen, guys, thanks so much. See ya. Bye. Bye. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Do you know what's brilliant? The one thing I did see during the week one organization got possibly the biggest bounce was the Worldwide Association of Robin Hood in Nottingham. <laughs> to the point that they tweeted out going, thanks very much, but you know we're not the Robin Hood. <laughs> well, the interesting thing about Robin Hood, as we know, John, is that Robin Hood was stealing from the rich to give Indeed to the poor. Was, apparently. Apparently. And now, of course, there's been a huge amount of backlash against Robin Hood the platform. But again, it's a fascinating, fascinating story. Katie is right. She said she's never seen anything like this, and nor have I. Okay, can you just fill in a couple of gaps for me? Yeah. She mentioned things like options, and they were able to buy options that supercharge their bets. What does okay. that mean? And, okay. and actually, maybe bring it back a little bit. Well, you know, like I worked on one of these yeah. top trading desks. What you were one of those oh, bastards. No, on the contrary. <laughs> on the contrary, I was like, but uh, an actual fact, and I can tell you, psychologically, John, I worked with a lot of these traders 
And most of these prop trading desks in the old days, proprietary trading, so you're trading yeah. the, the bank's money, right? Yeah. And they have an economist, and the economist's job is to try and try and as much as you can call the big call. Where's the currency going to go? Where's the bond market yeah. going to go? Where's the stock market going to go? And then the traders... And you're looking at a lot of geopolitics as well, yeah, so yeah. We're doing the big geopolitics. Then we'd sit in the traders and we'd say, look, look we think interest rates are going up. And they'd mm. say, okay, are you sure? And I'd say, well, look, you know, we're not 100% sure, but they'd say, okay, then they figure out a trading strategy based on that macro view. Yeah. That's how we used to work, right? And when she talks about options, options, there's two options markets. There's a call option and a put option, right? right. And one is an option to buy something in the future, and the other is an option to sell something in the future, right? Okay. So short selling is what we're talking about now. Yeah. And short selling is the following, John. What happens is you borrow stock from a stockbroker, okay? This is the first part yeah. of the trade. So let's go down the, the various trades. Let's use AIB shares and pretend AIB shares are worth one euro. Okay. So you go you go to a broker and you say, I would like to borrow AIB shares from you for three months and I'll pay you back in three months. Yeah. Right? That's the first trade. Yeah. And we're assuming that AIB shares are worth one euro each today. So therefore you, so you say, I want 100 shares so you have borrowed 100 AIB shares from that broker. That's the equivalent to 100 euros. Yeah. Okay, so let's keep it that simple. Right? Okay. The broker then goes and buys those shares from somebody else. Gotcha. In order, yeah. in order to have them. Okay. Yeah. So that's the first part of the trade. Second part of the trade is you are hoping that AIB shares fall, right? Yeah. Now think about if AIB shares fall in three months to 50 cent, yeah. then you can go into the market buy back 100 AIB shares for 50 euros yeah, and you pocket the 50 quid, the difference, and you give them back to the broker. Right. Okay? Yes. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Okay. That's the short selling, right? Now, the reason this is incredibly risky yeah. is- It's just creating money out of nothing. Well, A, it's creating money out of nothing. Okay. That's the first thing. Yeah. But the reason it's incredibly risky is the following, right? If you invest in AIB, not the options, right? yeah. not, so you're not your calls and your puts and, and your promises right. to buy and sell and all that. If you say, I want 100 quid of AIB shares, right? Your downside is limited to 100 quid. So if AIB shares go to zero, yeah. you've lost 100 quid. Right. But look what happens in the short, and this is the, the short squeeze. So think about, again, what's happening. You're the short seller. Mm. You're hoping that AIB shares fall to 50 cents, then you can trouser the 50 euro difference between the 100 and the 50. So yeah. you're happy, right? But what happens if AIB shares go the other way? So you originally bet 100 euro yeah. on, your, on your option. If they go to 500, you've lost 600 euro. So in the original case, when you're not using options, the only money you can lose, whether your bet is right or wrong, going up or down, is the amount of money you've put in. So, But if you go on the options, your limit to actually what your loss is, is infinite. Right. So you can't wait around for it to drop back well, down again. Well, you can, but it costs you a lot of money. Because then you've got to pay something called paying. margin. Right. So okay. margin is... So think about the broker lent you something. Yeah. He's going to, like anyone who lends anybody else money... He's going to charge for that. Yeah. Like an interest rate. I'll lend you money, I'll charge an interest rate. It's called margin, right? So you've got to pay a little tiny percent all the time to the broker for the okay, pleasure of right. this, right? Yeah, yeah. So the hedge fund guys, right? And they are big swinging dicks. I mean, I've worked with lots of them. I can tell you, 
deeply unhappy people, most of them. Right? Really? Some of the traders, great laugh, right? There, yeah. was, there was a sort of a cockney trader who I used to play football with and I used to really get on with them. A yeah. type, right? Yeah. But there's also quite unusual people who's just so obsessed by the markets and la, la, la. But so think about the short seller. So the short seller said, now GameStop, as Avalon said, is a dumpster company, right? Yeah. There's one up here on the street in Delirium, yeah, yeah, right? Exactly. Okay. And my kids used to be out all the time exchanging things, right? So all the short, all the all the sort of big swing and dick said, that company is, is, is a dag. It's going yeah. to nothing, right? So they shorted it, right? The short squeeze is when, when the other guys, the retail guys start buying the stock. So imagine the dynamic, we were talking about AIB. Yeah. I think it was GameStop now. The dynamic now is the GameStop share price is going up and up and up. The short seller is dependent on it going down and down and down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And suddenly the short seller, to close the position, has to go and buy GameStop shares in the market, which has the effect of pushing the share up even further. Yeah, yeah, And that's yeah. the squeeze. Right, so that's what gotcha, I, And gotcha. imagine yeah. by the bollocks. Yeah. That's the squeeze, right? <laughs> and it's like, oh, Jesus, right? Okay. So what happens is in order for the short seller to get out of the shit position he's yeah. in, he has to squeeze his own testicles. Right. Okay? Why? Because he needs to buy the stock back in the market and the more he buys to cover his short, the more the price goes up. And that's where the hedge funds went bust. So this is a casino. Where you it is a complete casino, right? Shrouded in nonsense economics, research reports, perceptions of views on the Fed, but at its core, Right. Yeah. The financial market. So if you think about it, John, originally stock markets were set up as a form of borrowing for a company. So a company can borrow in three ways, right? Mm. You can issue a bond, which is basically saying, I'm going to issue a long-term piece of debt. We're going to back that by the company and we're going to yeah. borrow from the, from the world in this way. You can go to a bank, you can borrow money. Or you can issue stock and you can say, you give me a hundred quid and I'll give you a bit of my company. Yeah. Right. So that's all it is, right? Yeah, yeah. So in the first place, the financial markets were a way for companies to raise money if they couldn't get it somewhere else. Right? Yeah. That's gone years and years ago. So the idea that the financial markets are in some way essential to the lubrication yeah. of the capitalist economy, complete bullshit, right? They have become a self-serving casino for the hyper-wealthy which is why the hedge fund guys, and hedge funds come in years and years ago, probably the first one was a quantum hedge fund, which is started by called George Soros. Yeah. And then they've had many imitators. Now it's amazing. You know those hedge funds you, you hear, like $5 billion hedge fund went bust yesterday? Yeah. They're two a penny. They are two a penny. There's loads of them. It's amazing yeah. when you think of them, particularly working out of a place called Greenwich, Connecticut, which is where apparently most of the hedge fund dudes... Why? Why live. there? I have no idea, but that's where they like to hang. Right. Maybe there's some sort of tax... Yeah. chicanery going on, right? But you know, nobody is going to shed any tear for a master of the universe that gets hosed by his own group. Yeah. Right? No, this is real stick it to the man, wasn't it? That's what Katie said. Yeah, you know? yeah I so, love that. So that's the short selling. Now, the interesting thing is hedge funds give you the, and I love the way Avalon said they have like hedges. Yeah. Right? And <laughs> it was like funny. Totally. It's funny because uh, Elon Musk, who responded to Avalon's tweet, yeah. came out and said, you know, Shouldn't be called hedge funds. They call they should be called shrub funds. So, the hedges are gone, right? Yeah. But the idea is that you think because they're called hedge funds that they're hedging their bets. Yeah. That basically they take one bet here, and they have a corresponding 
other bet down here. Yeah, so so I'll give you a great example. So if the stock market rises, it's because the economy is doing really well yeah. and the economy is booming, right? What normally should happen in that situation is the bond market should do quite badly okay. because the bond market's afraid of inflation, right. right? So consequently, if you're taking a long bet on the stock market, you can take a corresponding bet on the bond market, which means that if you're wrong on the stocks, the bonds go up. And if you're right on the bonds, the stocks go up. So you're okay. actually hedged. Okay, 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 right? gotcha. They yeah. used to, so that's what the hedge funds. They used yeah. to have these hedges. Now they don't bother. Now they don't hedge at all. They just take these massive bets Why? Why? in one What's way. The... Because the dancing, all these guys have taken 100 million quid in fees out of these things anyway. So it doesn't right, matter. So it's just a little game. It's a little game for them. It's a little game for them, and it keeps the price of property up in New York and swanky limo limo companies things, yeah. and you know swanky restaurants or whatever. There's, there's a great scene in The Big Short where they're describing how these trades ripple out. People are putting their own bets between themselves on other trades. A really good good way of thinking is: Do you remember when in, in gambling when we were kids, right? Mm. You could gamble on horses or gamble on a football match. Yeah. Right. To win or lose. Now you can gamble on who gets the first corner, right? Yes. Who takes the yeah, first yeah, throw yeah. in. Yeah. So it's more esoteric, yeah. esoteric, esoteric, esoteric. It's the same thing in financial markets. It started with this reasonably pure idea. And now it's just, you can gamble on anything, yeah. right? But the most important thing is this is a moment of profound disruption because the market used to be owned by the insiders. Yeah. And now this is an outsider revolution facilitated by technology, by information, by different platforms. So, so are you saying this is the end of the traditional it's trading of Wall Street definitely and short London and City and stuff? It's definitely the end of a type of short selling. There's no doubt about it. Right. There's also... It's not a bad thing though, is it? It's not a bad thing. Although, you know, I think, you know, if a company is spoofing to investors, that is one thing. Mm. And in actual fact, it's another. The idea that you have a way of punishing that company is probably a good idea. So okay. if a company like, take some bullshit company like Anglo-Irish Bank. Yeah. And it's bullshit to everybody that's a big bank, but we know it's going bust. Yeah. Right? It's not a bad thing that people could short that company. But there again, on the other hand, the guys who are shorting a stock, they could get the old PR machine yeah, cranked no, you're up true. And, they... and badmouthing a, a stock and saying it's going to go down. So it does. So people start believing I think you, that. It's I think crap. you're absolutely. I think you're absolutely right that the world will not be made a worse place for the lack of short sellers in the yeah, overall. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. But think about what's happening with the Robin Hood revolution. What they are doing—it's a morality tale for them. They're basically saying, "You guys have loads of money. We're the outsiders. We've nothing because of the options. When we talk about the options, that yeah. you pay a little." little premium in yeah. order to play, it means that you can actually get into the game for really cheap because you never have to put your big money down. Okay. You only put your little option down, right? So you can buy a hundred shares of GameStop for, let's say, a dollar. Your option is the dollar. Right. So, okay. what, so that's why Katie was saying these are really, you can put really big bets down with small amounts of cash. So suddenly what you get is a strange situation where the geezer at home who's got his game on one, what's the game JM plays? What do you play, JM? Hades. Hades, right? right. He's, he's playing his Hades, right? He's got his two screens at home. He's got his playing his Hades and he's got his Reddit guys. He's got three screens. He's got his crazy Reddit guys talking to him, yeah. whatever. And he's got his broker account open, right? Yeah. So that he's geezer, got voices in his head. He's got as voices well, in his head, right? Yeah, he's a millennial dude, right? That geezer 
can actually play the game that used to be the preserve of Goldman Sachs. Yeah. And, all yeah. and what you find is that most of the hedge fund people are refugees from the big banks, from the big merchant banks, yeah. the big investment banks where they learn their trade. They all talk to each other. It's lots of backslapping, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now the peasants have broken through the ramparts and have got into the game. And the interesting thing is the Occupy Wall Street movement, right, which was a huge movement, missed mm. a big trick. You know, yeah. camping yeah, yeah, out yeah. outside Goldman Sachs, they don't care about that. But fucking them on a trade, they really care about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in fact, this is Occupy Wall Street from the inside. Yeah. And that is a fascinating thing because now Wall Street realise we don't own the game anymore. We're not in control anymore. So this is classic Trumpeter again. This is perfect Schumpeter. And Schumpeter is always about the disruptive moment where technology and culture yeah. come together to change the game. Now, if you think the battle here is between insiders and outsiders, yeah. between millennials and boomers, because millennials in America feel, look, you guys have all the money. Mm. We have nothing. Between young and old. So this is an extremely interesting moment. And when I look at it, John, and I look at what's going on around, and I look at all the other sort of mass movements that are emerging up, right? Yeah. This is the movement of the era where people look inside the big house and they say, you know what? I want some of that shit too. So this is the democratization of the financial markets. This is the ventilation of the financial markets. Now, interesting, John. On Thursday, we're going to talk to Eric Lonergan, who himself is a hedge fund manager. Right. Excellent. And Mark Blythe, to put the sort of political context, you know, where is this in the big scheme of things? But for this podcast, I think we should be sufficient that we're seeing something really new and it ain't going away. 